This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. Today we sit down and chat with legend and icon Jerry Springer, hot off his elimination from The Masked Singer. We catch up with Jerry. We talk housewives. Listen, he is the granddaddy of reality TV. Without Jerry Springer, we would not have The Real Housewives. So we talk housewives. We talk The Masked Singer fresh off his elimination. We catch up with this legend and icon. And then we share an earlier interview we had with Jerry where we get into it all. Do you love Jerry? Come on. Who doesn't love Jerry? So sit back, relax, and listen to our chat with the one, the only, Jerry Springer. Hey, everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Don't get up. Don't get up. Thank you. <laughs> no one's getting up. I mean, do I call you Jerry Springer or do I call you the Beatle? I- I'm not sure anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no one's gonna no one's gonna think that I'm one of the Beatles. <laughs> well, no, but you are the Beatle. I mean, listen, you have yes. hosted uh, you know, your show was on the air for like three decades. You've done it all. Judge Jerry was just on for three seasons. Like, what drew you to the mass singer at this point in your career? Well, um, I'm, you know, semi-retired, but they they called up and uh, I know it's an incredibly popular show and they called up and I said, well, could I have a day or two to think about it? And uh, so I spoke to my wife about it and she says, have they heard you sing? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, it's just a fun show and, uh, you know, schedule worked, everything worked out. So why not it's like an early halloween party and i'm glad i'm glad i was on because it, it, it was so great working with those people and uh it's just a fun fun uh experience so i'm i'm happy i did it but you know I, there was no thought that i would you know last more than the 10 minutes or whatever you know, once they heard me. Did you hear from people, you know, you know, like every season, it shocks me that people are sitting at home and they're like, wow, I know that person. I know their voice, you know, fans. Like, did you hear from a lot of people that thought it was you from like the audience or some of your famous yeah, friends? I got, yeah, I got texts last night and uh, emails and they say, oh my God, that was you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the clues, if, if you really knew me, the clues were pretty clear. I mean, certainly yelling at the TV screen and chanting and, uh, you know, something dealing with abnormal behavior or uh, the judge at the end, you know, because of the judge, Jerry. Um, So I think it was pretty clear. And what I was told is that for many seasons, they have been guessing that it's me. And uh, which obviously it, it wasn't. But so that gets to be a common guess. And so this time the guests turned out to be right. 
Absolutely. And they, they have guessed you prior seasons. Were you shocked that like Jenny McCarthy and Robin Thicke, I mean, they knew it was you. Like, did you, do you know either of them in the real world? Have you spoken to either of them before? Well, I had uh, 20 years ago or so, I had uh, met Jenny M- uh, McCarthy uh, Wahlberg at, um, at a, a Chicago Bulls game. I mean, understand when I say met, the conversation lasted 45 seconds. And, you know, I was obviously this fan of hers. And, oh, my gosh, that's Jenny McCarthy. So uh, I was excited to meet her, but not anything she would ever remember. But, you know, from the Chicago area, uh, I wasn't surprised that I wasn't surprised that that would be one of her guesses. And she you're right. She got me right away. And uh, then Robin as well. So, um, no, I wasn't surprised. But uh, in fact, some people in the audience. Uh, when I started to, started going, Jerry, Jerry. So I figured, what, what is this about? They already know. Yeah. Once you start hearing the Jerry, Jerry chant, which I'm sure you hear all day, every day, many days, you know yes. your cover is blown. What is more difficult, dancing or singing? I mean, you did Dancing with the Stars. Is the mass Singer more difficult or is Dancing with the Stars? Well, I mean, everybody sings. Even people who can't sing, sing. You know, you sing in the shower, you sing happy birthday to your kid. You know, everybody sings. So that never, I mean, if you go in knowing that you're not a great singer, then there's no disappointment. You just sing. And uh, so that's not a worry. Uh, the dancing moves that uh, for me, that's really, even when I was on dancing with the stars, that's really out of my comfort zone. And, uh, this was particularly difficult because I couldn't, I didn't do half the dance I was supposed to do because I couldn't see out of my mask. You know, I was wearing that big head, which is even bigger than my head. (laughs) And, but when they put it on, it's perfect. But when you move around, it moves. And so the openings that where my eyes were supposed to be, my eyes did not line up with the openings. So I couldn't see a thing. And I have to, am I going to fall off the stage? Am I turning in the right direction? So I was afraid I w- if I turned, I'd be turning away from Kermit. I did, you know, I wouldn't know the direction of where the panel was. Uh, so that was what was really making me nervous is that I couldn't see anything once it started. The costumes are hard to see out of. Well, listen, on your show, the Jerry Springer show, which was on for, like I said, three decades, you dealt with everything, people coming out, family drama, infidelities, paternity issues, all sorts of things. You know, that is to me what our modern day reality TV is. You know, do you crown yourself the granddaddy of reality TV? No, I just apologize. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. What have I done? I've ruined the culture. I just hope hell isn't that hot because I burn real easy. I'm very light complected. And uh, that that kind of worries me. No, I, uh, I, you know, I'm just a schlub who got lucky. And uh, there was never a thought in my mind growing up that I'd be in show business. I mean, I'm a lawyer. I started out being a lawyer and then working for Bobby Kennedy. And in other words, my background is political and legal. And uh, then after being mayor, I was offered the job to anchor the news uh, for the NBC affiliate in Cincinnati. And I did that for 10 years. And that was a kind of a a rational uh, uh, transition. You go from politics to reporting to news to anchoring that. And then how the show happened was a pure luck. Uh, The company that owned the station where I did the news owned talk shows. So they owned Phil Donahue, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Well, Phil was retiring. And so the CEO took me to lunch one day and said, Phil's retiring. We're starting a new talk show. Uh, You're the host. So I was assigned to it as an employee. And then all of a sudden the show took off. So I wound up in show business through no thought of my own and not, you know, I, I don't have any particular show business talent. And uh, are you shocked at what the genre has become? You know, you look at like real housewives and like the look at the Kardashians, Kim Kardashian is a billionaire. Yeah. Like what reality TV has become today? Um, in hindsight, I'm not because it's just the democratization of our whole culture. In other words, 
democracy is always this big thing. And now with technology, it has gone into the area of entertainment. It used to be for thousands of years that you would have someone on the stage, someone on in the arena, someone on the screen, and the audience would sit around and watch, observe. But now with technology, the audience has become the entertainment. It started with uh, talk radio. Uh, you would listen to talk radio because the callers were so fascinating. And then after talk radio, suddenly it became Phil Donahue on television. The audience was what you watched. Now you have the people actually becoming the entertainers themselves. They vote. They vote you out of the house. They vote you off the island uh, on America's Got Talent, the people or the American Idol. It's regular people who audition and get, to, it's not just a few people sitting in Hollywood or New York deciding who our stars are gonna be. The people vote for who it's gonna be. And that's reality television. Do you guys ever stop to ponder one of life's most important questions? Why are bald men so hot? Stanley Tucci, Tyson Beckford, Vin Diesel, Tay Diggs? Well, another question you should ponder is why have bald men been left with subpar options when it comes to shaving their heads? Well, that is until now. I got to tell you about Freebird. Freebird has made it easy and accessible for bald men to shave their head. No more overpriced shavers that barely work. No more expensive lotions and creams and gels. Freebird has come up with a flex series electric shaver that has five rotary blades that individually flex for a closer shave. Compared to an old school razor, the Flex Series shaves 50% more hair in a single stroke for men and women. Tis the season and we're in the holidays, so what better to get all your bald friends or get one for yourself? And Freebird is giving our listeners an exclusive discount. Visit myfreebird.com slash velvet for 20% off. That's right, myfreebird.com slash velvet for 20% off today. Has anyone else started their holiday shopping? Well, for me, it's really easy because everybody's getting a gift from lululemon.com. You guys are always asking me what's my favorite brand, and it's very simple. It's Lululemon. Lululemon.com. I wear Lululemon to work out. Of course, you guys know that, but I wear Lululemon for everything else. They have pants, jackets, shoes, shirts, sweaters. Need I go on? My latest obsession is their commissioned long sleeve shirt. It's a button down shirt. And you know, a lot of button down shirts are starchy and uncomfortable. This shirt moves, it breathes, it fits so well, and it's so freaking comfortable. So for all the men, women, and children that I'm getting gifts for this season, that's right. It's all coming from lululemon.com. So set joy in motion with the best gifts for your list this holiday season at lululemon.com. And of course, while you're there shopping for others at lululemon.com, if you want to pick up something for yourself, a belt bag, a bag, backpack, hat, keychain, scarf, shh, I won't tell anyone. It'll just be our little secret. Lululemon.com. It is. What about as we wrap up, what do you think of like some of these modern day talk shows, you know, like Drew Barrymore, Kelly Clarkson, the fact that The View is still on, Sherry Shepard taking over from for Wendy. Like, do you, are you a fan of all of these people that are doing what they're doing these days? Do you have any favorites? Uh, well, I, I'm not much of a television viewer other than sports and uh, cable news. I'm, you know, real political. Um, but I, I know who these people are and they have incredibly successful shows. So good for them. They're very popular. Um, now the hosts tend to be people that are already famous. Um, you know, back in the early days, it was someone that did local news suddenly became a talk show host, including Oprah. Um, so, uh, that's, what's changed. Now you get celebrities to host shows. Yeah, and it's a whole different world. Well, listen, you are an icon. The Jerry Springer show is one of the best things that's ever been invented, I must just tell you. And I Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> listen, it has given me and many other people. You're very humble, Jerry. Well, thank you. You're very nice. Thanks for having me. It has been very lovely watching you on The Mass Singer. I really appreciate this. Thanks for chatting and congrats on this experience. Absolutely. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye now. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we have an icon, a living legend, one of the first, and someone I am a personal fan of. The one, the only, Mr. Jerry Springer. 
Oh, thank you. And thank you for calling me Mr. <laughs> Listen, this is behind the velvet rope, Jerry. We are very professional here today. Yes. How are you? Listen, I am so excited for the new season, season three of Judge Jerry. So welcome. I cannot wait to talk all about it. Before we get there, I have to say I am a lawyer, too. You are a lawyer. Let's just put oh. that right out there. Oh, well, then I'll, I'll, I'll do my best so that you don't sue me here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you also went to Northwestern. They, you know, they politely declined my application. It is only one of the best law schools in the country. I'll talk to them. I'll talk. That's an outrage. That's an outrage. If they took me, they certainly should have taken you. Please put a good word in for me, Jerry. I will. Yeah. But, you know, you practiced law for 15 years. You're a former mayor. You know, listen, if anyone is qualified to be a judge on TV, it certainly is you. Well, uh, you're kind to say that. I, um, I, I'm really excited about it. It's the only job I've ever had that I actually was trained for because all these other wonderful jobs I've had in life, I've been very, very lucky, um, were just kind of handed to me. But it wasn't anything, you know, I, I wasn't trained to be in show business. I wasn't uh, trained to be a news uh, a journalist, a news anchor. I, you know, wasn't trained to be a mayor. Uh, all these things just kind of, came together. And uh, now, all of a sudden, the opportunity is, hey, how about doing Judge Jerry? And uh, that was just, you know, at my age, I thought, you know, retirement was my future. And now all of a sudden, I've, I've got this great job. I love it. It's, a, it's, it keeps my mind going. And is that true? Because I read that, that, you know, after an unprecedented 27 years, of course, a much deserved retirement that you were planning to retire and NBC said, wait a second, we have other plans. Yeah, they, uh, and of course I was, it took me about 12 seconds to say yes. Um, Sean O'Boyle, who's the uh, head of sales for NBC Universal, uh, he came into the office about, I'd say two or three weeks before my last uh, episode of, uh, of the Jerry Springer show. And he shut the door and he said, hey, uh, how about Judge Jerry? And I went, whoa. And that's how it happened. We quickly did a pilot and uh, the stations bought it. And uh, so here we are into season three, uh, my third year of doing this. And uh, I'm, I'm very grateful. You know, at 77, uh, I, I didn't think I'd be having a job and having one. I just love it. it. Gives me a real good reason to get up in the morning, and I love studying the cases. It's uh, it's re- it's exciting. It's really exciting. Is it so nice? Listen, here I am, and I have a law degree too. Is it nice to be using your law degree at you know? Well, it's something I haven't used in thirty years. So uh, yeah, it, it is, and. The laws have changed since I went to law school. You know, I went to law school with Lincoln and uh, they're all new laws since then. No. uh, Yeah, I graduated in 68. And uh, so, yeah, it's there are obvious differences now. But I find the challenge uh, of doing particularly small claims where the issue isn't the amount of the money, uh, but the issues are just as complicated. And the people, in a sense, are more serious about this because when they go to small claims court, they're angry. I mean, why would you, you know, normally you'd say, well, it's just for a couple of bucks. What's the point? So if you bother to go through this whole, you know, procedure to go to small claims court to sue for $5,000, this is something very important to you. And uh, the intensity of the dispute um, I have to treat that seriously. I mean, I can't help making some jokes along the way because that's just what I do. But in the end, I have to treat it, the process and the people with respect, which I'm very happy to do. And uh, that means I have to be serious in how I rule. Do you find yourself using a lot of your skills that you learned on the Jerry Springer show during the 27 years? Because you did resolve a lot of disputes there, too. Well, yes, but I always viewed whatever, however I handled that, I just thought that was part of being a grown-up. In other words, uh, you know, I, I view every case as if it were someone in my family, my kid, my grandson, 
involved in a dispute, how would I have? I mean, I may have to discipline, but I'm going to do it respectfully. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be mean. And so there are two things you deal with. First, there is what is the moral answer? What, what, what is what is the proper way to, end, to resolve the dispute? And truthfully, most people would reach the same conclusion. You know, what is fair? That's the question I first ask. Then I have to figure out how do I fit in that fairness into the law? Because not all laws are fair. Not, you know, laws are written oftentimes by, uh, you know, they're always written by legislators, but they're written by legislators that may have a particular point of view or may have um, uh, particular interests they want to serve, like big business or the oil company or, you know, whatever. And so just because it's a law doesn't necessarily mean it's fair. And so the real challenge for a judge is how do you deal with what is fair and still make that legal? Because those are not necessarily consistent. And that I find the challenge of being a judge. What has shocked you more? Some of the cases that you've seen on the Jerry Springer show or some of the cases that have come before you on Judge Jerry? Um, well, the end, you know, the conventional answer would be, boy, I was shocked by what happened on my show. But once again, I, I think the thing that originally shocked me with the original show uh, was that people would talk about these things on television. I don't think you can be a grown up in today's world and be shocked by anything anymore. Now, you may be you may be surprised that it happened to someone you know. That is could be surprising. But there's no there's nothing that ever happened on our show that isn't already in the Bible, that isn't already in Shakespeare, that isn't already in literature. You know, we've known it all. And, uh, you know, those things exist. But uh, the, the shock would come if you knew the person. So I can't ever tell you that, you know, that I was totally shocked. What I was surprised in the early days uh, is that people would talk about these personal things on television. But now, of course, with social media, what were we ever complaining about television for? Why was there ever a big, you know, hoopla about our early TV shows? Oh, my gosh, did you see what was on? You know, just go to whatever social platform you want to. You know, there is nothing that has ever been on our shows that can't be compared to what the kids are putting out on social media today. I totally agree with that. And to that note, look at all the stuff that goes on on reality TV. I mean, you had... Yeah hair pulling and questions of paternity and wig pulling and everyone saying everything. I mean, do you consider yourself like one of the pioneers in this reality TV genre that we have today? Oh, how proud I am. No. Uh, well, I tell you what, I've always maintained that um, what we call reality TV today is not reality. In other words, the situations are made up uh, for television. Uh, you put people on an island. That's not a natural thing to put strangers together and then you have to vote them off. Or Big Brother, you put them in a house. In other words, you create a situation that is not how they've been living their real lives. Right. Our show was reality because the only difference, whatever you saw, was their real life. They just happened to come on a TV uh, studio, into a TV studio, and talk about it but the situation wasn't created for television it was what was happening so that is real our show was reality television um but what we call reality shows now it's just it's unscripted that would be a more right. accurate reflection you know they don't memorize their lines but the situation is you know it is it's not natural that makes sense. Yes. People are not going to live in a house in Los Angeles and eat slop and play competitions and have no access to the outside world. Yeah. Under yeah. normal circumstances. That's true. Do you watch any reality TV? Like, are you a fan of the housewives or the Kardashians or did you watch anything like that? 
not not really I, and i don't mean that in a snobby way it's just um that's not what i when i watch television it's either sports cable news because i'm very political um or i binge watch some shows uh you know for entertainment movies but i i just i'm not a a normal television watcher um Everyone who listens to this podcast always tells me I have attitude, but now I also have attitude. That's right. Literally, attitude. You know, attitude, as in the sheets that are eco friendly, they're made from 100% bamboo. Everyone who knows me knows that I have a hard time sleeping. I want sheets that are comfortable. I want sheets that are affordable. I don't want to break the bank. And look, it's also, you want to do something good for the environment, right? Attitude sheets are made without toxic chemicals, which means they use 99% less water than cotton. Now you're probably saying to yourself, you want sheets that are comfortable. Oh my God. These are as comfortable as silk sheets. I'm one of those people that always wanted silk sheets, but listen, have you ever looked at the cost of silk sheets? I found that I sleep better at night. And listen, if you think I can do this podcast five days a week without a good night's sleep, this requires a lot of energy. It's not all coffee guys. So listen, right now you can get 20% off your order plus free shipping. When you visit attitude.com slash velvet rope and enter promo code velvet rope. Remember, that's attitude, E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E. Order today for free shipping and 20% off your entire order at attitude.com slash velvet rope and enter promo code velvet rope and you will start sleeping better today. You know, I watch very specific things. Like if the Yankees are on, I'm watching. Did you binge watch anything recently that you just loved? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I, I it started with uh, Doc Martin it, and Suits. And uh, and I love a lot of these European shows that uh, even use um, subtitles. subtitles. And the, the thing with that is you've really got to pay attention. Like you can't look down and if you're eating in front of the television and, and, and you know, and cut your steak because or, you know, because you'll miss what the line is. You can't hear it. Totally. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Borgen um, is a, a Danish show, uh, which I'm kind of um, really addicted to that. So, yeah, there are a bunch of shows that we watch. Did you ever feel, like you said, like it was real life, especially on the Jerry Springer show? Like, did you ever feel that people were there for like the wrong reasons? You know, like someone wanted their 15 minutes of fame and like this is a real, you know, issue they're having, but here they are. They want to get on the Jerry well, Springer show. Well, nobody does it for fame because they don't even use their real names. So, you know, there's no possibility. Now, in your neighborhood with your friends, oh, there's no question. This is cool. Let's face it. On the old show, the only reason you'd be on is because you called us. You know, we can't convince you to be, you couldn't convince a person to be on, on that show. No way. Right. They would have to desperately want to be on. So they're calling us. And the only way we, our phone number isn't in the phone book. Well, we don't have phone books anymore, but you can't, you know, it's, uh, they would have to memorize the number at the bottom of the screen. So that means whoever called our show was a fan of the show, right? right. You, you, you wouldn't say, hey, I'm going on that show if you knew nothing about the show. So you become a fan of it. And, you know, they call and they know the drill. They, they see, you know, and their friends watch it. And so, oh, this is cool, man. I'm going on Springer. You know, uh, there's a lot of that. Uh, but they don't come on to be famous because, you know, other than their friends, no one's going to know because, as I said, we don't use their real names. It was a, right. I think it was like a rite of passage for certain people. But another rite of passage was the Jerry Jerry chant, which has carried over at times to Judge Jerry. Do you hear this chant in your sleep? And just I mean, does this do you like this chant? It's well, it's not a matter if I like it anymore. It's constant. And the uh, uh, because and I get it, but wherever we go, you know, you walk through an airport and you go as you're walking to your gate, you're passing 25 other gates. And at every gate, people start chanting. So for them, it's only 10 seconds as I walk by. But for me, I'm hearing it for like 10 to 15 minutes till I get to the to the gate. The craziest place that ever happened, though, was. I'm at a uh, 
football game. I think it was in Cincinnati, um, the Bengals, or it may have been the Giants. Yeah, it may have been the Giants. Anyway, I was at a football game. And like every other guy, at some point, I had to go to the men's room. Well, the men's room in these stadiums is like 30 yards long with literally 50 urinals. And be in front of every urinal, there are 10 guys, you know, 20 guys lining up. So the play, it's massively crowded. Well, I get spotted there as I'm going to do my business in the urinal. And all of a sudden, 500 guys are chanting, Jerry, Jerry. Well, at my age, I have enough pressure on my own. I don't need to be going to the bathroom with 500 guys chanting, Jerry, Jerry. That was the most uncomfortable place that it's ever been yelled. That might make it a little difficult, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wait till you're 77. <laughs> I have a hard enough time now at times. So yeah, I... Okay. I- I get it. Well, I mean, I just figured, you know, maybe it was something you hear in your sleep. You know, it's 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 constant. It's constant. But it's always nice. Let's face it. I mean, people are just so friendly and so nice. And of course, that, you know, I appreciate that. That's not it's, it's all nice. You know, what about the current landscape of talk shows? Like, you know, we have like Drew Barrymore and like Wendy Williams and Kelly Clarkson. Do you have you watched any of these? Do you put your stamp of approval on any of these? Oh, well, they don't they don't need my stamp of approval. They're very talented. The difference between them and me in terms of talk shows is these are talented people. Uh, I was just a regular guy who, you know, talks to non-famous people. But, you know, you go to Drew Barrymore or or, um, uh, Kelly Clarkson, Kelly Clarkson, Kelly, you know, She's a great singer and you got actresses. And get, so with these shows, these are people that were already talented before they took on a, uh, a talk show. So they bring something to the table with me. I, I was a news anchor um, for 10 years and a, a, a commentator. So it just so happened the show took off and and I happened to be the guy who was hosting it. So it's different. So I would never, even though I'm a judge, I'm not in a position to judge them. They have success on their own. And I, you know, wish them only the best. That makes sense. What about like, I know, you know, from one podcast host to the next, I've listened to your podcast. You are, you are into politics. Like you have something to say, you know, what about now? Like you look at like an Ellen, you know, who is now like all the rumors that it was like a toxic work environment and now she's not on the air anymore. Like, do you like, what do you think of the cancel culture we live in now? And like, do you ever worry about that? Like with your own stuff? I mean, I I do at times. No, I mean, it's look, when you put yourself out there, when you decide to go into entertainment, when you decide to speak a particular point of view uh, or perform, you are basically saying to the public, either watch me, listen to me, what do you think? No one ever says, do not applaud. Do not say you like what I do. So if you are inviting a public reaction, sometimes the reaction is not going to be good. And that you know, then the choice is don't go into, you know, don't become a performer. Using Talkspace to me makes me feel like I have a mental health professional with me at all times. And I freaking love that. Talkspace offers both therapy and psychiatry and being able to reach out to my provider at any time, anywhere makes taking care of my mental health super easy. You guys know I'm never in one place for very long and I'm so relaxed when I'm traveling and I'm away and knowing that I need to talk with my therapist, all I have to do is send a message from wherever I am. Look, therapy isn't easy, right? And dealing with mental health head on, it's a challenge at times, but connecting with my therapist isn't and shouldn't be. You can sign up online for Talkspace and you get a personalized match with with a provider that's right for you, typically in no more than 48 hours. How great is that? And they have thousands Thousands of licensed therapists with over 40 years experience in all specialties, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, anger management, and so on, relationship issues. As a listener,
listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash velvet. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash velvet to get $100 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com slash velvet. Um, and that it's not comfortable. You know, I, my gosh, during the controversial years of my show, uh, there was a ton of that, uh, you know, people complaining, et cetera. I never took it personally because I don't take the Jerry Jerry personally. You know, people are responding to a performance and they're entitled to that performance. If they, if enough of them didn't like it, I wouldn't be doing it. Um, but as long as you have an audience and you enjoy what you're doing and people like what you do, there's no particular reason to stop doing it. That's a good attitude. I mean, I know a lot of people, especially with social media, go down that hole of reading all the comments. So they should just listen to you and just realize, just separate the two. Yeah. Well, in addition to Judge Jerry and your iconic show, you've done so much. You were in movies, Broadway, game show host. You have a Simpsons character based on you, a country recording artist. But where does Dancing with the Stars fall on the range of things that you are proudest of in your career well, or enjoy doing? Yeah, I, the, the Dancing with the Stars was turned out to be really fun. I would never do it again uh, because I realized how difficult it was. And what was fun about it is that I was totally outside my comfort zone. You know, it's and I as much as possible try to turn it into my comfort zone by instead of selling my dancing, which was hopeless, uh, I would tell jokes. And uh, that, in a sense, became because I would keep begging each week, please don't vote for me. You know, at the end of each dance, they go backstage and they get interviewed. Yeah. And they always then at the end, you know pretend they're making a phone call and they're pointing to the number on the screen, call, call, so that I can come back next week. And I would point to the number and like do the cut of my neck, do not vote, please, because I want to go home. Because if you, if they voted you for another week, you'd have to go through another week of training for a new dance. After one or two weeks, that was no longer, you know, I was, I was exhausted and, uh, it, it, it was a lot of pressure. I mean, if you think about it, 30 million people or whatever are watching you do something you have no skill in doing. You know, yeah. at least if you're singing, everybody, even if you can't sing, sings in the shower or whatever. OK, everyone hums a tune. So you can do that and not be totally embarrassed because, you know, half the population can't really sing. So they're just. But when you're. But. Who knows how to dance unless you've really taken dancing seriously? Yeah. And your, your body, you know, you're shaking your body. You're doing all kinds of stupid things. And I remember 30 seconds before it was time to go on because this is live. And I'm, you're backstage and I'm there with Kim Johnson, my partner. And uh, we're getting ready. And she's cool as a cucumber. And, and I am just... Oh, God. And I'm trying to remember the steps. For me, that was the biggest worry. Not, I mean, I knew my form wouldn't be good, but who cared? Um, what I was worried about that in the middle of the dance, I would forget the next step. And if you go to someone's wedding or bar mitzvah or whatever, and you, you just get up there and dance, you know, because everyone's dancing. You just shake your body. Or if you do the cha-cha, you do the steps in one direction and the steps in. You just keep repeating this stuff. There's nothing to it. Yeah. But when you do a chore choreographed dance on Dancing with the Stars, it is a minute and a half where no step is repeated. So if all of a sudden you miss a step, how do you catch up? You can't tell the orchestra to stop. It's live music. It's 30 million people watching. So, and in and, and one dance, I totally forgot on the uh, Pasadoble. And I just turned it into a disaster. Even my daughter called up that night and said, Dad, it's time to come home. And in a moment of cruelty, they voted me on for another week. It was terrible. She's like, there's 30 million people watching. What are you doing? 
Yes. But yeah. at least you were creative and you made up your own experience. Poor Kim had no idea what I was doing. I was just shaking the cape around. And I was making up my own dance. It was pathetic. With a pasta doble, that's like a good, you know, just a good default. Yeah. What about, you know, you've met so many people, you know, I mean, you're Jerry Springer throughout your career. Do you ever get starstruck? Are you the type like, or did you? But I mean, I assume you don't anymore. Or do you still get starstruck when you meet someone that you're like a huge fan of? Uh, I guess the only, um, not because I was in politics so long uh, and I was involved at a reasonably high level that, you know, I've met all the presidents, at least in my lifetime. And uh, so that, that stuff, uh, and I can't say sports figures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When I meet sports figures, because I'm such a sports fan, um, that, uh, you know, meeting Magic Johnson, or if, if I meet a Yankee, you know, I get all excited about that. Um, but show business, not so much. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't say I get particularly starstruck. What about now that season three is back for Judge Jerry? What can we expect? Like, is season three different than the other two? Like, tell us a little bit yes. about what to expect. Uh, actually, yeah, it, it's different for, well, one reason that we had nothing to do with it, and that's the uh, pandemic. Uh, season three is different simply because in season two, we couldn't have the plaintiff and defendant in the courtroom. So we had to do it remotely. Right. So I was in the courtroom with Najee, my bailiff, in uh, Connecticut, Stanford, Connecticut, right outside New York City. But the plaintiff and defendant, they could be in Phoenix, Arizona, in Atlanta, Georgia, And so it was basically trick photography. It looked like they were in the courtroom with me, but they weren't. And because of that delay and whatever, it really, it made it more stilted. And and truthfully, I think like with most of the television shows, people had to adapt to that. It didn't have the spontaneity. Now, the season we're doing now, which you you will start seeing the shows uh, the second week of September, those just starting then, the um, plaintiffs and defendants, everyone is in the courtroom, including the spectators. So now wow. it's back to be- virtually being a live show again. And it, it's a lot different. That's one thing that's going to be different. And the other is the parties this year are much crazier. They're almost like the parties of my original show. But this time they're coming to court with their problems. So... Uh, you know, uh, I had this one suit by a ventriloquist who she was excellent, but she was suing on behalf of her puppet because the contract said she would be paid, I think it was $500 a performance each night. And she wanted another 500 for the puppet because if she was on a loan, it wouldn't be an act. And, uh, what was funny about that lawsuit is she's a ventriloquist. So half the time the puppet was answering me and I was asking serious legal questions that I needed answers to. And so here I was, I'm a grown man and I'm talking to puppets and the defendant and, oh, and the uh, defendant, he was arguing with a puppet and <laughs> he's yelling at the puppet. So, yeah, the the cases are a little bit crazier than you would see on a uh, normal court show, but it's a court show. My mouth is dropped open. Yes, I wouldn't have expected, you know, that on that note, like, does anything, you know, between your original show and now Judge Jerry, does anything shock you? I mean, you've seen it all pretty much, Jerry. Yeah, no, as I said before, nothing. I mean, yeah, I'm surprised. I was surprised that a puppet would file a lawsuit, but um well, Chiefs filed it on behalf of the puppet, but the puppet was doing the talking. So it was very entertaining and she was really good. Uh, but, you know, it's hard for me to tell her to close your mouth because it's already closed. So I could bang the gavel, but the puppet didn't pay any attention. And then you have to apply that to the law, like you said. So that's well, like a sure. I had, level. Because there was real money involved. I think it was something like five thousand dollars. So, you know. 
you've had such a long, prosperous career doing so many different things. If someone were to make a, li- a movie about your life, who would you want to play you? What actor? <laughs> well, who would I want is Brad Pitt. <laughs> who would I get is Woody Allen. I don't know. Um, no, no one would. I think that would be a career ender for anyone who, uh, you know, who played me. I don't know about that. I think Brad Pitt is, he could, he could pull it off. Oh yeah. The thing is, I never looked like Brad Pitt. (laughs) You know, that's in my dreams, not in, you know, not reality. Well, you know, makeup and all of that, you know, Brad Pitt's a great one. How do you want to be remembered for all the work you've done, like in front of the camera? Uh, I don't particularly want to be. Uh, the only, it's, it's a false vanity to be remembered, you know, unless you, you want to be remembered by your kids and your grandkids because you were in their life and you hope you set a good example for them and you've taught them things and you, you know, and we've had wonderful moments together. And, you know, I still think of my parents long gone. So that memory is important. Every other thing in 10 years is forgotten by virtually everybody. You know, I grew up with uh, Jack Benny in terms of, you know, uh, comedians, whatever, Henny Youngman. And you'd say to kids today, who's, they say, who's Jack Benny? Well, and I'm thinking, how can you not know who Jack Benny was? Even Bob Hope is now virtually, you know, not remembered very much at all for a younger generation. Uh, So all this thing we build up, like I'm going to, unless you're a president and you're in Mount Rushmore or you won a major war, no one's remembered. Half the kids go to high schools named after someone and they don't have any idea who that person was. You know? Kids go to Horace Mann High School. They don't know who Horace Mann was. You know, it's like, so we put all, this is just ego. It's a false ego. I don't need to be remembered just by my family, you know, who is there. If you ask people today, what were the names of your great grandparents? 95% of people have no memory of what their names would be. Not their grandparents, their great-grandparents. And what was their maiden name? It's like, so who are we kidding? Yeah. That's such a healthy view of the business. Yeah. I mean, not that you need my advice, but let's face it. Most people don't have that understanding of fame. Yeah business people say they want to leave a legacy you're not your kids you're leaving a legacy to to everyone else do good things but do good things because you're thankful for the life that god gave you that's why you do good things not because you want to be remembered it's like i and i don't want to get on the whole subject but the idea that people say they do good things so they can go to heaven that means you're just doing it because you want something back not because it's the right thing to do. Why should you do good things only because there's a reward at the end? You know, I hope there's a heaven. It'd be nice to get to heaven, but that's not why you do good things. You do good things because it's the right thing to do. That's what you teach your kids. I love that answer. Well, on that note, before we wrap up, Judge Jerry, season three, the first season, which premiered in 2019, was the highest rated court show in the past five years at that point. And last season still averaged well over a million viewers per show. So I don't think you're retiring anytime soon, Jerry, if the powers that be at yeah. Jerry have anything well, to say I, about it. Well, I, I hope I don't. By the way, I love the name of your show. Behind the be- Velvet Rope? Yes, because I never got there. In other words, you know, it used to be (laughs) when I was young, you know, just like today, they have the nightclubs, whatever. And you line up to get in. And until I was well known, I was never the one that got in. You know, they look you over and say, sorry. 
And then this beautiful woman would walk by and she'd get right to the front of the line. She goes in. Some real hunk of a guy, he goes in. And I'm stuck there waiting an hour and a half to get into a club where no one's going to talk to me. I'm okay now. I just had to get that off my chest. Well, guess what? Here, you're, you're always welcome behind this velvet robe. Thank you. And I think Thank if you, you go to any club now, you know, they might let you in, Jerry. I'm just. Well, now because you know. So I know. That's the part that got me, which isn't fair. You know, it's like if you're just a regular person, you don't get in unless you're drop dead gorgeous. Well, that never was going to work for me. So I was just hoping I would get in, get in because I was next in line. Well, with social media, what it is today, you're probably seeing it's even worse now. Now, you know, anyone could have that 15 minutes of fame. They turn it on themselves and it's yeah. a false sense of a lot of things. Right. My grandson told me that I'm big on TikTok now. And I have no idea, but I know I do little skits or whatever or little silly stuff. Uh, you know, that the show asked me to do for social media or whatever. And I do stuff like that and apparently gets a following. But I don't even know how to get on TikTok. TikTok is being big on TikTok is a thing, Jerry. It's, it's a big it thing. Is? Yes. Like if you want to be big on anything right now, at least at least for this week, that's kind of the thing to be big on. Oh, so I should say follow me on TikTok. No. Follow you on TikTok. Follow you on Instagram. Oh, and, and by the way, watch yes. Judge Jerry. Which is, I was, yeah, I was just going to say, and everyone yeah. needs to watch season three of Judge Jerry just for this ventri ventriloquist alone. Is yes. there anything else you want to leave us with before we wrap up? I thank you for answering all my questions. No, if you, need, if you need a couple of bucks, give me a call. You know, I'll try to send it your way. That is very nice of you. That is very nice of you. I might be taking you up on that at some okay, point. Okay, I bet you will. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot. Thank you, Jerry, so much. Have a good day. And everyone watch Judge Jerry. See you later. <laughs> See you, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.